of Adam Kiakris. We are on page 13 or 14. Um, 14 or 15. 15. Look. I think we're 14 going 15, 15, just after. We're at. This is not the case one. Okay, amazing. Okay, so we're mamish. I only have a few more paragraphs, so we're going to finish it Here today. Oh, beautiful. That's awesome. That's like, very cool. So, I was, did anyone learn the Tanya of today yet? No. So I was learning the Tanya this morning, and I was freaking out because it's exactly what we're learning right now. So, let me just share with you a little bit. Um, as you recall, what we've been discussing now is the last part of chapter one. We're learning about different ideas so that we can then answer the original question of the Pasuk of Adam Kiafra at the end of chapter two. And the last thing we've been discussing is the advantage of working, putting in the effort of a Sata that then arouses in a Sata as opposed to waiting for inspiration to come. Um, because when we put in the effort ourselves, that is the thing that is most real. That, and that lasts forever because it begins a cycle where we put in the work and then Hashem responds with an inspiration where we actually feel something in our hearts from Hashem that's beyond our own capacity and limitation, which then inspires us to continue on that cycle and work even harder and harder. And because that's basically the way to be consistent with our avoidance, is put in the hard work, even if you're not feeling inspired in the moment. Because the inspiration will come and the inspiration will go, but your consistency is what, your effort is what's going to help you be consistent with and so until now, if anyone's been following the Tanya, um, it's, we've been in the chapter men's in the 40s, and we're discussing all different types of levels of love from Hashem. And what's been discussed um, at length until now was the love of Hashem called Avarabha, first out of this love of Hashem, mm-hmm. Avarabha, which is basically an infinite love that comes from Hashem as a gift. And the idea of Avarabha, well, how do you have an infinite love for Hashem? By tapping into your godly soul, because your godly soul has an infinite love for Hashem. So if you're able to tap into that love, then you can experience that as well. And that's what's been discussed until now. Different ways to do that and ways to actually, where you do put in your own effort, which then reveals the love of your godly soul, and then you kind of ride the wave of that love. Um, And then the Altarabba asks, in today's Tanya, he says, wait, so if we are able to have tap use our own effort and meditate to the point that we can tap into our godly soul's love for Hashem and have and our, our godly soul has infinite possibility and is integrated and works all together and so the love that it has is is a complete love and is an infinite love. Why do we need the second type of love that's called Avas Ailam? The guys said of Avas Ailam? Avas Ailam is a love that comes from our own effort and it's a very limited love because it's based on the way that we can understand and grow to love Hashem based on the world around us and the world that we see, which is Hashem in a very limited form, right? So the altar says, if we have this ability that through our own meditations and contemplations, we can reach an infinite love for Hashem through tapping into our godly soul, what's the point of Avar Sa'ilam? Why do we have this? Like, what's, why should we also try and have this worldly love for Hashem? The worldly love for Hashem means that we use our limited brain and we contemplate on Hashem as He expresses Himself in the limited way in the world around us, so that we can bo- have a limited love for Hashem. Avas Ailam is a limited love for Hashem based on our own capabilities. So some people will have a higher, higher amount of love for Hashem with Avas Ailam and some lower. It depends on how smart they are, right? And it depends on how much love they're able to make born of themselves. So the Altarim says, what's the point? Why not just go straight for the infinite love? And the answer is the same idea that we're learning here, which is that when you put in the work, even though it's limited to your to your capacity for emotion, your capacity for intellect, 
your capacity for concentration and meditation, the love that is born, the connection that is reached, is the purpose of your godly soul coming down in the first place. And it's the fourth time in the Tanya that the Tanya repeats the Pasuk, Kikarov Elecha, Hadavar, no, 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 sorry, sorry, not Kikarov Elecha, V'zeh Kol Ha'adam V'tachlit Briyotam, that this is the whole point of man and the purpose of his creation, that he should make a dear B'tachtonim. This is brought down, now maybe I'm mixing up which one it is, but I think, I'm pretty sure that's the Pasuk, it's the fourth time that it's brought down, it's the idea, the purpose of man is to refine his animal soul. And that's the point that the altar is really, really pushing in today's time. It's, very, it's a very, very beautiful little point in the Tanya. Um, and it's really, really what we're discussing here. And it's really what Chabad Chassid is, is founded on. The idea that hard work, even though it's limited, right? Because attaching to a tzaddik is going to make your connection to Hashem a lot more infinite because the tzaddik is infinite. And then you kind of join along for the ride. That makes you dependent on the tzaddik and dependent on the coming and going of the inspiration. The real, real, true connection to Hashem, the purpose for our existence in this world is to put in the hard work on our own, even though it's limited. But as we said, even though that work that we put in is limited because using our animal soul to love Hashem is limited to the capacity of love that the animal soul has and the capacity that we can really contemplate and understand Hashem, the, when we do that, the animal soul raises the godly soul up and teaches the godly soul how to be passionate because the godly soul is very quiet, as we said, right? It's very calm. It's intellectual. It's rooted in the brain, which is cold. And the animal soul can teach the godly soul how to have a passion for Hashem that it could never have um, achieved on its own. And this idea will be brought up a little bit later in the Mimer as well. That the, basically the idea that the godly soul teaches, the animal soul teaches the godly soul how to run towards Hashem as opposed to walking. Um, Okay, so, so that's really that's really um, what we've been discussing until now, and we also speaking again a little bit um, to to just continue about the disadvantage of waiting for inspiration. Right? We said that when you wait for inspiration, the inspiration comes and it goes, and your service of Hashem is is moody. Mm-hmm. There was someone who wrote to the Rebbe. It's published in um, I don't remember the name of the book, but it's a letter that somebody wrote to the Rebbe that's published with the answer. It was he was a bachor. And he wrote to Rebbe and he asked, why is my service of Hashem so moody? He used that word, so moody. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'm all in and I'm so excited, I'm so passionate, and sometimes I just don't care. Why, why can't it just be consistent? And the Rebbe answered something very interesting. He said, because up on high, there's moods as well. Because your godly soul is dependent on what's going on spiritually at that moment, how close it is, how far it is away from the angels, from Hashem, from the throne. Like, it's, it's coming close and going away. Have you guys heard of the idea of Ratso and Shuv? of going up toward Hashem and then coming back down. So we're going to learn this idea in the next Mimer at length. Um, In the Mimer of the Svartim Lachem, we're going to learn about Svart Omer. But in very brief, Ratzor is where we reach towards Hashem with a passionate, burning, fiery love towards Hashem from our own efforts down here. It's kind of like the Isra Siddhulah going towards Isra Siddhulah And then Shov is bringing that back down and saying, okay, now that I'm all inspired, I'm going to practically put that into serving Hashem in this world. I'm not going to stay up there in the clouds, which is right, so I'm up there. I'm going to bring it back down, take that inspiration and put it into this world. So the the angels, it says, are in a constant state of Ratzor and Shav. They're constantly burning up in flames to Hashem and then coming back down to do their job. And burning up and coming down. And so there's moods up in heaven. There's, spirit, there's, there's moods in the spiritual world. And so if we are just dependent on trying to tap into the inspiration of our godly soul, to be consistent with our service of Hashem, it's going to be moody. Sometimes we'll feel it, and sometimes we're, we, we won't. And um, so, so that's one of the, the disadvantages. 
Um, so you had a question yesterday that I said we're going to address today, which was, so what do we do when we do have that inspiration? Mm -hmm. Because inspiration is an incredible thing, but we need to know what to do with it so that it can actually make an impact. Because as we said, inspiration, if we don't do something about it, when it goes, we're the exact same person because we haven't changed anything within ourselves. And that's a chaval because that's a waste, right? Because every time there's an inspiration, it's Hashem saying to our neshama and saying to, to us as a person, I want you to come close to me. And so if we just ride the wave at the time nothing and nothing changes, it's a waste of the inspiration, right? The whole purpose of that inspiration gets lost. So let's continue on page 15. I might finish a drop early today just because if we finish the, if we finish the chapter, then we'll, you know, we'll, we'll end off with that for the, for the week. Um, okay, so the cycle of a person working on getting excited about Hashem during prayer and then experiencing Hashem's closest is a cycle that can be perpetuated. So that's what we said, that when you start off with Isra Sadila Sata, it leads to Isra Sadila Eila. We said that it, it says here, that Hashem reveals himself in an internalized way. Pnimi also means in a revealed way. What does, what does internalized mean? What does it mean that we internalize Hashem's life? That we actually experience it. And that happens after we put the effort in. And that creates that cycle and enables us to keep, keep going um, in our service of Hashem. Masha'en came, this is not the case, when there is no toil of the soul, the Agiyas Basar, and toil of the flesh, Milamata, from down here. But we don't put our own effort in. Rak it's only that his soul was awakened, he got awakened by a flash of insight, so to speak, from above. But he had not prepared his heart in order to awaken his soul on his own afterwards. And in that case, what happens is the excitement comes and the excitement leaves. It has no lasting impact whatsoever. So when we, when, we, when we miss out part of the equation here, when we get the inspiration and we don't, respond with an Isrusa de Lasata, with changing ourselves and, and awakening our own hearts through our own efforts and contemplations, um, that inspiration is not going to have any lasting effect on us. Because when this godly light from above leaves, when this inspiration goes, these only come at very specific auspicious times, right? So we might experience this maybe more on the Shabbat or on the Chag, or on the Ilan Kippur, or sometimes just random, random times, but it only comes at special times where Hashem decides to shine. As a Haya, Kalo, Haya, then Petfalo. Then it will be as if we never got excited in the first place. And the reason is because the only reason we were inspired in the first place is because God inspired us, it's because something outside of ourselves inspired us. And therefore, when this light leaves, Top of page 16. The love that resulted from this inspiration leaves as well. So when the inspiration leaves, the love that came as a result of the inspiration leaves as well. And this is something that we see in last week's Parsha. That the when a man gives seed first, he has a female and the next part of it is and that when a woman gives seed first she has a male have you guys heard of this it's a controversial gemara from nida because it doesn't make any sense uh, physically so there's a there's a passage that says when a man gives seed first during intercourse he uh, a female will be born and when a female gives seed first during intercourse a male will be born 
So physically, scientifically, it's not the case. Otherwise, everyone would, everyone would just be able to choose what gender of kid they have. And also, we don't really know what that means, Isha Mazras Tchida, when a woman gives seed. We don't really know exactly what that means. Um, though I have heard Rabbi Yos Patil explain, I don't know his source for this, but I'll share it, um, that before the sin of Adam and Chava, there was no such thing as nida, there was no such thing as a menstrual, menstrual cycle, right? That was part of the curse that was given to Chava. So what would happen before, how, how would the woman ovulate? She would ovulate at the time of intercourse. Through stimulation, she would ovulate. And so that's the, that's the idea, the original idea of Isha Madras Tchila, that, that during intercourse there was the, the option for both of them to, so to speak, give seed. Um, but that changed after the sin. So practically, this is not a practical idea, but spiritually, there's a lot of things that you can learn from this. I just learned to my actually on Shabbos, specifically on this um, on this pasuk explaining how when the man what's the man giving the man is giving um, the man represents chesed and the woman represents gavura the physical the, again the metaphysical man the metaphysical woman the masculine energy and feminine energy and how when they when they when the man gives over the chesed then um, a nekeva is born a, fi, uh, a anyway it's if I if I would explain that it would take the rest of the class because I have to go through it in my head also and remember. But there's a lot of spiritual ideas that we can learn from this pasuk. Practically, not so much in terms of deciding what gender your kid's gonna be, okay? Um, but from here, we're learning Ish Masriya who's Ish and Isha? Remember I mentioned this when you said, wait, what, what? Male, female, who does male and female represent spiritually? Because we're learning these pasukim on a spiritual level now. Who's the man and who's the woman? Hashem is the man. is the woman, exactly. So when we say that the man gives seed first, the man initiates first, Yoledas Nekeva, he has a female. What does that mean, he has a female? I don't, you guys aren't going to like this next one, but it says, This is a very famous um, Gemara as well, that women don't have a lot of das. That they... So, Das represents, it says that women have Bina Yaseira. Have you guys heard that idea? Bina, which represents more the intuition. So, they have more of that than men. But it says, Nashin Datan Kalot, that they're Das, there's Chokhmah Bina Das, their Das is less than that of a man. Das means the idea of consistency. And we see that, uh, this is me just with my own explanation, but I think we see that a little bit that women are able to, their emotions change a lot quicker. Um, and they're um, could get easily excited about something, and then not so much. Like their their moods can shift a lot more than men. Okay, but again, this is speaking spiritually here, right? We're not just trying to put men and women in boxes spiritual here. Spiritual mood. Yes, that's exactly what we're speaking about. We're speaking about the spiritual mood. So, what does that mean? That when the man gives, he gives birth to a woman. That when Hashem inspires, he gives birth to a a mood that is inconsistent. He gives birth to something that is not lasting. Not that a woman is not lasting, but a woman has a, 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 a tendency to have lesser das. Das means consistency. And therefore, that love comes and that love goes. So this is one of the many spiritual explanations for this pasuk, of that when a man gives seed first, he has a, a woman. When Hashem inspires first, the love that is experienced as a result of Hashem's giving is inconsistent. It doesn't last. So will the wife of a boy if the woman initiates first? Yes, so what does that mean that if the woman initiates first, if the Jewish people initiate first, if we initiate from down here from our own efforts, we have a zakhar. We have something that is consistent and that is lasting. 
I guess we could also say, okay, I'm making this up now, but like if you have a son, then your last name lasts forever, you know? Um, but women, they become more part of like the husband's family and traditional, traditional settings. Um, if we want to, if we want to go down that road, I don't know if we do, because <laughs> um, now this is just me making stuff up. So what do we see? patot. It can leave. It can get less. after prayer, and he turns toward the desires of the physical world. So if somebody is praying, and in the middle of their prayer, they just get this inspiration and this love and this excitement for God during prayer. That wasn't a result of them putting effort in their prayer. They were just praying. They weren't even concentrating. And suddenly they got all excited. And they suddenly started to feel a love for Hashem. That's amazing. They get all excited. Okay, I'm a changed person. My day is going to look different. Closes the sidor and he's exactly back to how he was before he prayed. And the reason for that is because he wasn't concentrating. He wasn't meditating on Hashem from his intellectual capabilities. He wasn't um, giving birth, so to speak, to a love, or she obviously, um, to a love of Hashem from his, from his or her own efforts got a flash of inside of inspiration, which is amazing. The davening itself was amazing. Suddenly you started concentrating. Suddenly you started having all these ideas about how you're going to serve Hashem differently and better. But the moment the sitter closes, you're the exact same person and you go straight to the physical desire that you had before. And the reason for that is because you didn't change. You didn't put the effort in. It came as a flash from above. So when the creative process of reproduction is initiated by the male, so here it says a creative process, okay? It produces a female that is not as strong in her decisions and could be more easily persuaded than a male. Similarly, in the creative process of prayer, if the spiritual awakening is initiated by the male aspect, by Hashem, who is the giver, then the resulting love will be a feminine aspect, a weaker feeling of love and dedication for Hashem that could be overpowered by the desires of the physical world. Okay, we got that? Yeah? Yes. Great. <laughs> You could go, if you want, you have like this, go speak to Adi. I think she's very good with this stuff. Because this is all Gemaras. So in your Gemara class, say, we learned this Gemara. Um, we learned the Hasidus aspect. Now, it's actually a nice <laughs> idea, though, on Hasidus. So. What do you mean? I mean, like, the, like to explain the whole idea between what um, De La Rosa De La Sata versus De La Rosa De La Ela. Like, this idea that, like, I don't know, like, I feel like it just makes it more, like, a concrete understanding of, like, mm -hmm. consistency. Like, I feel like consistency is going to be the best word, to to describe, like, our Avodah Hashem. Love that. Mm -hmm. So it's a real message that comes yeah. from Yes, definitely. And there's a lot of, a lot of messages that you can learn from this, actually, this specific Gemara um, that Hasidus explains. Um, but if you want to get into the nitty-gritties, you can, you can bring it up again with Adi. She'll be, like, calling me later, like, what are you doing? <laughs> Aval, however, now we put the second part of the Gemara in Ishmael's If the woman initiates first, that means that she starts off with an arousal from below. It's It then leads to an arousal from to an awakening from above. Then she has a male. which represents a very strong consistency in service of Hashem. So if the woman initiates, what does that mean? If the Jewish people, if we, from, from how we are down here, initiate the process, our love for Hashem will be consistent even after we close the seal afterwards. So when the creative process of reproduction is initiated by the female, it produces a male that is stronger in sticking to his decisions and will not easily be persuaded. 
Similarly, in the creative process of prayer, if the spiritual awakening is initiated by the female aspect, by the person who is the recipient, then the resulting love will be a masculine aspect, a stronger feeling of love and dedication for Hashem that gives him the strength of character to overcome physical temptations. This is the reason why those who take it upon themselves to really serve God have this complaint. So the Alter Rabbi, as we know, had many, 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 many people come to him with questions, right? That's one of the reasons the Alter Rabbi says, I wrote the, the Tanya, to answer all of these questions. It's a, the book of answers to all of your questions. Because the Alter Rabbi created a group of people who took their service of Hashem very, very seriously. And one of the big questions that they came to the Alter Rabbi with was, al that sometimes there was by him within them, Ruch Tahara, they had a pure spirit enveloped them, the Hitarot, and they were awakened and inspired Lavadat Hashem to serve God, Al Kamashavuat, for a few weeks. That's pretty impressive. That lasted a few weeks. But afterwards it left completely. So the altar will be saying, This is the answer to those people who are coming to you with a complaint that they are serving Hashem, but this inspiration is they're not able to hold on to it. It lasts a few weeks and then it goes. What is the reason for this? Because this awakening that they experienced, it was only as a consequence of something going on above. Therefore, after it stopped, and the awakening of the light left, he remains in his original standing and in his original, with his original nature. So that is the answer to that question. So that is the end of chapter one. And just a quick little summary. Before I get into a quick little summary, because we jumped to a few ideas here. Does anybody have any questions or comments on what we discussed so far? Good? Are you understanding it a little better than last time? Or? Yeah, I'm just... Do you have any specific questions or is it more just the overall? I do, but it's problematic, so I don't want to do a quick summary of what we went through in this chapter because we jumped a lot so that we can be ready to go and ask the questions on Sunday. So we started off with the original Pasuk, which we might have forgot, forgotten by now, right? Which is the second Pasuk in Pasha Vayikra, which is Adam Kiakriv Mikem Karban La Hashem, that when a man from among you brings a korban to Hashem from the animals, from the cattle, from the sheep. We will offer your sacrifices. We asked three questions on this pasuk. Question number one was why does it start off in third person and then switch to second person? A man when he will sacrifice, you should sacrifice your sacrifices. Second question was why does it switch from singular to plural? A man when he sacrificed, you plural will sacrifice your sacrifices. Why does it switch from singular to plural? And the third question was, why is the placing of the word from among you at such a weird place? It should have said, a man from among you when he sacrifices. Adam mikem kiakriv. Instead it says, a man will sacrifice mikem from among you. Adam kiakriv mikem. Which makes it sound like we're speaking about a person sacrificing from the people of the Jewish people. So we had those three questions. Then we said, we're going to put those questions aside. We're going to address them on Sunday. Now we need to understand the difference between the godly soul and the animal soul. We started by discussing the godly soul. We went outside a little bit and we discussed a little bit about the Merkava, about the chariot and the vision of the different um, Nevi'im prophets who had 
these different visions of a chariot that was held up by four angels, one angel with the face of a human, one with the face of an ox, one with the face of an eagle, and one with the face of a lion. And we explained that the Pene Adam, the angel that has a face of man, is referring to Hashem as he represents himself in the spiritual world, and that that's where our God Esau is sourced from. Is sourced from Hashem's infinity as it expresses itself within the limitations of each spiritual world. That's represented by Adam HaElyon. Any quite, by the way, if anyone has a question while I'm going through it, let me know. Um, and then we explained about the animal soul, that the animal soul is sourced in the other angels, which have faces of animals. And the reason for that is because just as animals have, are very, very passionate, so too our animal soul is very passionate. But it comes, as the animal soul descends down here, it goes through a bit of a, a journey, I guess we can say. And on that journey, it gets influenced by those around it to the point that it comes through the dregs of the Ophanim, it comes through the lowest level of angels. By the time it comes into our body, it's distracted from its initial inten uh, uh, intention, which was its love for Hashem. And now its love and its passion is directed towards physicality, towards Kripa. And the goal uh, is, what does it mean that um, we should, uh, we're going to put this back into the context of Korban, not later, but I'll, I'll mention this quickly. What does it mean that we are sacrificing our animal soul? What's this, what's this process? That specifically in prayer, which should then influence the rest of our day, we need to get our animal soul transformed, sacrifice it, transform it, so that it serves Hashem alongside the godly soul. And its passion is redirected toward Hashem, and it loves Hashem, so that our love for Hashem is b'chol with both of our inclinations, with our godly inclination and our animalistic inclination. And when we do that, our godly soul actually teaches our animals, our animal soul teaches our godly soul how to serve Hashem with, with even more passion. The process by which we do that, and we see that throughout the process of prayer, is that we remind the animal soul about where it comes from, so that it knows who it is, so that it knows that the truth is that it really loves Hashem. We remind the animal soul that it's sourced in the angels, that the angels are in a constant state of bittal to Hashem, and that they, the angels are in a constant state of love to Hashem and that the animal soul is able to reach this level as well because that's where it comes from and that's what it's, an, it's original love and intent. And so we see that process throughout the Birkat Kriyat Shema, the blessings that we say before Shema. So by the time we get to Shema and we proclaim our love for Hashem, we can proclaim that love with our godly soul and our animal soul, right? Sounding familiar so far? Okay. And um, so we explained the importance of reminding the animal soul of its source and the godly soul's job is to do that and then they can work together to love Hashem together. And this, we said, is the entire purpose of the godly soul coming down into the body in the first place. And then we said, okay, so what are we, sometimes we're inspired during prayer to do this process, and sometimes we're not. When we're inspired, our job, we should know that this is an inspiration that is temporary, and it is coming in order that we should put in our own efforts to transform our animal soul and to love Hashem with all of our hearts. And so we spoke about the two processes of the arousal from above and the arousal from below. We said that there are two ways to go about it. You can start off with an arousal from below, which then initiates an arousal from above, or you can start off by having an arousal from above, which you then take and use to initiate an arousal from below. And we spoke about the advantage of starting the process from our own efforts, even though it's a limited process, because that's how we're able to be consistent in our service of Hashem. Because when we start the process, even though it's limited, it, it inspires Hashem to inspire us. And then we can take that inspiration and put in even more effort. And it begins a cycle that can continue forever. And so when we put in our own work, it has a lasting impact.
And then we said that this is the answer to those who had the question of why are we so inconsistent with Hashem? Why is our service of Hashem moody? Why do we feel inspired for a few weeks, but then it leaves and we're the same person? And the answer was, because if you don't change yourself and put in the effort, that inspiration goes to waste. Because when it leaves, the love leaves and you're the same person. But when you take that inspiration and you put it into practice and to use and you work on, you put in a tremendous effort to change your own makeup, to change the way, to change the places that your passion is directed, when that inspiration leaves, you have become a changed person and you can continue in your service of Hashem. That was just a really, really, really quick summary. It was fantastic. It was really good. Thank you. Okay, okay amazing.